0: You're listening to Spraymakers, the podcast where Chris Rossi and Trent Finlayson dive deep into the world of slalom. The boys continue on last week's episode by answering some more submitted questions. They tackle rope shortenings, especially from 28 to 32 and 35 to 38,
1: as well as dropping into the turn.
0: We'll, we'll start off with something that you and I uh, know a little bit about. And so I'll read these two questions. They go side by side and we're going to try to answer them both. Uh, first one was from LP Skier the difference between 35 off and 38 off and what you have to do uh, or do differently to uh, consistently run 38. And he says, okay, maybe that's a little narrow, but it would help him. So we're on that one. And then ALP Jr. uh, piggybacked on that and said, great job, gents. I'll piggyback on LP skier's question. Thoughts on the difference between 28 off and 32 off for those who consistently run 28 and even manage yeah. well at the mid loop, but struggled to get past three or four at 32 off. So thank yeah. you, ALP Jr. and LP skier. Um, both of these were posted on Ball of Spray. And so basically, you know, what I'm what I'm seeing is two different plateau ranges. Um, and you know, I think everybody has had to everybody that's that's progressed past these could tell you that they were that they were they were they were, they were Tough transitions, but I guess the bigger question is why are they transitions and why are they tough? There, Trent.
1: Yeah, yeah. This one was interesting, or this is interesting because this is one you know I hear all the time, all the time. You know where you know people, you know I over hear people telling their ski buddies like, oh well, thirty five is is the big one. That's the one where everything changes, or you know, or or it's thirty eight. But really, like, it's that that's just not it's just not accurate. And, And so you can think of it like this, like you know. Obviously, as the rope gets shorter, you're, you're, you know, the, you're walking up, you know, a, a fine line where you have to be closer to this ideal, you know, handle path or this ideal swing height. Um, but, but there's never, there's never a point where everything changes. And if you get to that, you know, if you get to that point where everything changes, and you, then it's just simple. you You need to back up. And even that pass that you're at 100%, you need to you need to start exploring, you know, things on that pass. So, you know, if, if it's, you know, like, like this one listener in particular where, you know, he said his 28s are, you know, they're 100%, but he's, you know, mid 32 and he's done. You, the problem isn't, you know, it's not a 32 problem. It's just you're, it, it, you, you just simply run out of space. So, okay, as the line gets shorter, all that's required of you is that you get to a higher like a higher swing you get further up beside the boat when the pylon gets to the buoy. And that's it. So that is, that's something that you can learn on on passes where you're more comfortable. You know, it's not like you get to, you know, or, because or, or, okay, we all experience this. So, so like, I you know, I'm the perfect example. You know, I started running 39 in, in tournaments in 2005, I believe. And, and then I just spent years at two at 41, like years and years. Like, I mean, I, you know, I didn't start figuring out how to run 41 until t- 2013, 14, probably 14. So, so, mean so there was this like 10, plus, 10 years. yeah. Years of, of just chipping away and chipping away. And like thinking that if I just got a good turn at two ball, I'd get to three and four and five and not even not, you know, cause I just didn't have, the knowledge I didn't I didn't understand it like I understand it now where where it's like man if I just backed up to 38 and learn how to take a higher swing path to you know more speed into my gate glide turning in from a higher spot creating you know a better rate of acceleration into the first wake so I could so I could switch edges while my angle was at its greatest instead of after the the center of the wake so when my angle is already starting to you know to dissipate um, you know if I could run 38 almost perpendicular. Perpendicular to the pylon, it's going to translate perfectly to 41. So don't get wrapped up in this, you know, this great divide pass where, man, everything changes. It's if if everything suddenly changes on your hardest pass, it's because your previous pass, you're not doing you're not doing it as correctly as you could. And that's what I mean. I always tell everyone, you know, when we're working on these details and details on, it's like we're not. This isn't about you running 32. This is about you running 41. Like if, you, if you you know if you want to continue to improve your entire ski career you've you've got to learn this stuff you know on your easier passes and again it's not about you know banging like back to back and back to back and redo you know repeating passes over and over and over and over but it's understanding of, you know what is required of me to run the the next two passes and and get to work on it on your opening pass i
0: i love I love the way that you you put that because I mean, I would have people who run mid 35, you know, and they're struggling to run 35. Like on a great day, I can run 35. And they would come and ski with me at, at ski school and we'd work at 28 off. And a lot of people had a, had a hard time understanding and wrapping their head around that. They're like, well, this is a different pass. So... Why are you having me work on this pass? This is not helping my 35. When I get to 35, like you said, it's all different. And that is something that we need to really understand that it's not. It's just that you have less tolerance for error. And yeah. most likely you have a you have much less confidence at that pass that you're missing. And so you go into this kind of like what I what I call work harder because that's, that's, that's the answer. It's always the answer go harder. And it's not like, I'm never going to get out there if I don't pull long, no, not Mm -hmm. the right answer. You know, like, so, so I think that that's, and, and, and we've talked about this in the past, so that, that comes, that kind of mentality holds us back. And, you know, I think the, the important thing to remember is, is, and, and we keep hammering this, but is to make a plan, as Trent would say, or the way I'm trying to look at it now is, is create a system. And you need to trust your system and devote to your system. And then at the end of the season, you can evaluate how is my, season, or how is my system, how is my plan working, and what was the positive and negatives, and then change from there. I just see so many people jump in, want to grab a tip. Um, you know, just that quick tip that's going to help me run through, there is no, there's no secret quick, you know, tip that's just going to make you all of a sudden jump through here. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy that can't run, you know, is having a hard time running 32 off. You don't just get a secret and then bang, you're running 32 off. Like you've got to, you've got to do what Trent said. You've got to move backwards. You know, you want to be, if you're running 28 off on the, on the regular and not running 32 off, then what I would say is you've got a lot of work to do at 28 because what's happened is you, you found a way to get through it, but you're Mm -hmm. not, you're not. So you're, you're kind of, you're still skiing at the mercy of the line versus you being in full control and working the line the way you want it to go. Yep. And so I think that's, that to me is, is a, is a very, very big difference. And at any pass that you, you aren't in complete, I am in complete command when I'm skiing. I mean, I know where I am over my ski. I know what I'm doing, you know, yes, every once in a while I'll do something a little bit funny, like drop a shoulder. And all of a sudden my ski turns a little harder than I thought, but I mean, that is so infrequent that it's not, it's not the basis. And I can understand if you're listening to this and you're going to say, well, yeah, you're, you're a pro and, and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an aspiring amateur who skis well, but I mean, I'm not on your level. Well, we're all striving to get to that place. I, I was at, uh, in, in, in regard to the listener, I was at your level at some point and I found ways to, you know, progress through that. And that's why Trent and I have such great words of wisdom for you all is because we've been in every situation that, that you're in. And so, you know, you've got to create the system and you've got to trust the system. And that's really, really important, you know, and then, you know, just realize that it's not harder to get out to the buoy. It's just that, you know, when the line gets shorter, people say, I got to go harder. I've got to pull longer. I won't get out there that is, that's a false, that's false. So you need to go back. You need to listen to these. I would suggest that you, you don't need to, but I would suggest that you listen to all of the Spraymaker episodes and really get a good understanding of, of where we're trying to bring you mentally. And then for you to highlight or to assess your own skiing and then assess your strengths and weak weak points and try to implement some of this stuff that Trent's, some of this knowledge that Trent's dropped or, or some, some, some of the stuff that I've been able to share. You know, I think that's the, that's the biggest key. Now, now that we did our rant on this, Trent, how about you give me a couple of things that people who can run 28 off, but don't run 32 off. How about a couple of hiccups that, that seem to happen there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Or and <clears throat> excuse me. And or again, anything and this, else. Yeah, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be the same for you know the guy who's consistent at thirty five, but cannot run thirty eight. Um, it's like think about like the more limited line you're on, the less the less it's going to to translate to the to the next pass when we shorten the rope by a half a meter or or a couple feet. Um, so so again, like, so, so I'll just think of it. Okay, so I feel like I'm on a very very similar line at 35, 38, 39, and 41. Like, and what I mean by that is, is I'm skiing my my opening pass. So if that's your 22 off pass, I'm I'm, I'm going to ski my 22 off higher and faster than I than I than is required. Like. Okay, why do people? Why do good skiers hate fifteen off? You know, like your your normal guy who who, excuse me, he can run twenty eight off, but refuses to ski at fifteen off. And the reason the reason why people find that pass so difficult and and they're just like it just doesn't feel like the way I want to feel is because they're running they're running a line dictated by by the buoys and the length of the rope. Meaning, like fifteen off the rope is so long that you can get around the buoy barely you know and you're barely outside the whitewash that's you know the rope is that long you the the, the pylon can get to the buoy you know 20 feet before <laughs> you get there you know because again the rope is long enough and it can stretch way out the back and and it's long enough for you to get around it and the pylon's already past the, the buoy and, and headed, headed on to the next one but then then just you know fast forward that all the way to 41 when you watch someone at extreme short line the pylons getting to the buoy just a moment before them. So my point is that's why people hate 15 is because they just, they, they ski it just high enough on the boat to get around the buoys where truthfully, I mean, you can be like 10 feet outside the buoys at 15 off and you should be, you know, so it's the same thing. And so again, okay, so here's our guy. He's he's stuck at 32 off been banging his head for a few years. Step number one is going to be, okay, are, are you, are you skiing 28 as high up on the boat or up, you know, as, as as wide as as your speed allows? Or are you have you you know figured it out and you just kind of know the parameters of that pass and you're just kind of skiing the buoy width? And you know, and, and most often the, the you know the answer is the latter. They're they're letting the width of the course dictate their swing instead of Creating as much speed and as you know, as and as much swing as possible and skiing this pass really, really wide. You know, they they've relegated to just skiing the course width. So that would be my that's my first suggestion is is you know if you're stuck at thirty two, okay twenty two. I want you wider on your gates, faster glide speed, so you're turning in as the boat's moving away from you. You're not drifting all the way back in and, and still running the pass because the rope is is quite long. Um, I would start in the gate, I'd be wider, faster, and I would see, and again, not by pulling longer, but I would, by creating more speed into the first wake and trying to edge change as close to the center of the wakes as possible. Let's see if we can run a longer swing path on the preceding two passes. Same for LP skier at, you know, you're stuck at 38, or you're not getting the consistency at 38 that you have at 35. I'd explore 32 and 35, and let's make sure. Like, let's step one. Let, let's a little more energy on the gate pull out. Let's turn in from a wider point, and let's see if we can get a, like a, a longer, higher swing path on, on those easier passes. Um, and then from there, I, you know, and when, when my sudden realization, you know, in 2014 or whenever it was, I was like, I am so sick of of 39 feeling really easy for me, and 41 being this abstract joke you know, so I, I, one, I, I addressed my 38, and my 39 in, in the manner that I, that I just talked about. And two, I spent a lot of time there. So instead of like having a full set, you know, and then taking one shot or two shots at 41, I would start, you know, I'd start on, I'd start on 35. So I'd get there sooner. I spent a heck of a lot of time um, free skiing at 41. Um, and I had a, a um, um, sorry, a strategy or, or a or a drill, I I, I called it pre skiing, meaning, you know, I would I would run the parameters of the course, but I would shift everything, say three or four meters, you know, ten feet, um, ten or twelve feet early. So I would pull out ten or twelve feet early on the greens on the pre gates. I would turn in ten or twelve feet early uh, on the gates, and then I would just I would run the parameters of the course because you know, with the buoys ahead of me, I could see, okay, I'm probably wide enough or at least I'm close. But without the buoy coming under my feet, I was less likely to try and crank a turn. I could just run this rhythm and and if by six ball my ten feet had disappeared to two feet, you know, then I would try it again with try to get a little better gait a little more angle and see if I could run that pass. So you can do that at 32 off, you know, shift everything ten feet before the course and see if you can stay there. Um, and then lastly, Slow down the boat. This was big. Oh, for me. This was thank you. For me. Yes. What's your experience with that?
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's yeah. this is a thing that just I, I I don't understand. It's crazy. It, it's this is baffling to me because this is this is the argument I get. And, and I'm sure that 50 percent of the listeners right to this episode will think the same thing. If I go slower, it's not the same and uh, <clears throat> when in the tournament I'm going to have to go full speed you know I mean I I ski with people that refuse to slow the boat down mm-hmm. and here's the rationale that I go with every Steve Schnitzer taught me it a long time ago he said every line length is like a different race course you got to learn it you have to learn it so if you want to learn a new race course and you've never been there and you jump in your race car is your first lap going to be your fastest lap?
1: Exactly. Or exactly. are you
0: going to start, are you going to start slow, learn the track and slowly get faster and slowly? I mean, lap after lap after lap after lap. Okay. So, so anyway, come, come to, come to, come to the, how does this work in slalom skiing? well, you need to ask yourself like this. I mean, I'll, I'll paint this picture again. I'm sure you guys have of you will already know this story, but basically I, I met Steve Schnitzer. I, you know, worked with him, you know, while I was in college at, in Orlando, he was at, uh, at a facility there and I worked with him and, you know, basically I was middle 38, you know, middle 38 off. I could run 35 almost every time, middle 38. And then one day he just said, Hey, Chris, if I go 35 miles an hour, you going to run it? Meaning 38 off. And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, okay. If I go 34 miles an hour, are you going to run it? And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, yes, I am. And he said, all right, that's the speed we're going to go today. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I ran 35 off at 36 miles an hour. And I sat in the water. He put it at 34 and he said get through it. And let me tell you, wasn't pretty. I was hammering. I was turning too hard. I was turning into slack. I was getting spray in my face. I was pulling way too long and all these things. Right. But guess what? Six
1: mm-hmm.
0: made it. Yep. So what I do next, I sat in the water and he said, all right, great. He said, guess what? Do it again. Same speed. So hammered it again, down, ran 38. He said, all right, well, we're at the far end of the lake. Let's do it one more time. Take it home. And boom, ran it. So having basically never run 38 off, and then in one day, I ran 38 off three times, regardless of speed, right? And then, you know, the next time we went out, we did the same thing. I ran it at 34.2 miles an hour, which is 34 miles an hour technically, and I ran it down the lake, and then he said, "All right, we're going to go 34.3." And I ran it and ran it, and then you can you can you can guess where this is going to mm-hmm. go, right? Then the next set, you start at 34.3, run it, and then run two at 34.4. You might not be able to go up every set, but run it and run it and run, run, it, it. And run it. I and want run
1: it and run it and yes. run it
0: and run it in your sleep and run it ugly and run it beautiful and run it with a bobble and run it with six bobbles and you know you just gotta you gotta you have to you know let's just say that until you've run a pass a thousand times you don't know it we're talking about for people your number one time that you need to run it was the first time you ran the course awesome did you did you smoke it did you run that nice high early line
1: yeah. Or in keeping with that, was the first time you ran the course at 36 miles an hour?
0: Right. Awesome. <laughs>
1: Probably not, right.
0: Right. So so anyway, this this we just need to understand where you are in your progression and don't jump out of line. You know, like stay with the system, stay with your program. Don't worry. Like, I don't care if someone comes in the boat and says, oh, you ran this, but but it, but you're only doing it at 34 point." three or what, yeah. what do I care what someone else thinks? That oh, I have a tournament, a com- but Trent, I have a tournament coming next weekend. Well, guess what? I'd rather go into the tournament knowing I've run my last, you know, six 38 offs than to know that I, I can only get three. Like if you, if you get two, 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 two mm-hmm. over and over and over Ten again, years. guess what? Guess what? Your brain says, before you even know it. Your brain already told you, ah, I'm only going to get two anyway. If well, I'm lucky, yeah. I'll get three. Yeah, and, and,
1: you're, and you're teaching yourself the the wrong line is the big thing, right? This whole thing is about speed and space, speed and space. You know, it's how much speed can you create before the center line so you can stop pulling and and come off that edge and take that early speed and swing it as high up around the pylon as possible or, or, or as high up beside the boat as possible. So, I, I mean, inadvertently, I taught myself a shallow enough line that I was going to get to every time, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it was, and, and this happens all too often to every skiers of all levels. And that's, and that's exactly it. it it's, it's run it and run it and run it because, because again, you, you know, it can take you 10 years or if you approach it correctly, I mean, it can be the, it can be just a slightly tough, tougher stepping stone than the previous pass. I mean if the previous if you learned to run 28 off and and it only took you, you know, will say you saw it 30 times in tournament before you ran it. Well, there's no reason for 32 off to take you 90 times, you know. It it's 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 a it's a progression and yes, it gets increasingly more exacting. I'm not going to say difficult. It gets increasingly more exacting and it's, you know, the specifications what's absolutely required of you to do it, but don't set up these roadblocks by by again letting pride and and I only ski full tournament speed. So don't let that get in your way because it's silly. Slow the boat down. Um, you know, one address the previous passes. Let's make them higher and faster and wider than is required for the task. And then two, slow the boat down and run that thing. I have, you know, and, and when you do that, it's up to you. Like I have I have two ladies that I coach, and they're both you know can run 32, but they're not running it. With the consistency that you know where they know they can show up at nationals and run it so um you know independently they i you know we, we we established these late season goal or end of season goals where where it's like look you before you hang up the ski before it gets too cold you you need to run 10 32 offs you know and it was exactly that i you know i'm going to slow the boat down i'm going to give you space if if, if 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 it's required of you meaning you know, I'm not going to run you a strict sure path in, in practice on a, on a pass. You're trying to you're trying to figure out. I'm going to give you a little space if, if it's required. But we're going to run ten of these things before fall. And and boom, they both like cruise right up. Ran ten immediately. One of them is you know trying to take down 16, 17, and 18 today. You know, but but again, like she went from running it once a week to sometimes she runs it three times a set. You know, and, oh. and by the time she'd run ten, we're only a tenth of a mile an hour slow you know than actual so it's do yourself a favor don't 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 set up these roadblocks because like I tell you know I, cause I, I tell a lot of my students you know often this is already hard enough so you don't need to make it hard on yourself let's let's figure this out and like you said Rossi just just like whatever that pass is whatever you need to do to run it so that's slow down two miles an hour doesn't matter run it run it run it run it because because again just like me I, I mean I was stuck on the same pass for or the same buoy for ten years, and then when mm-hmm. I when I completely shifted my, my approach and my focus and, and I let like logic kind of supersede you know um, habit, I was like uh, in one year I you know my I went from two to four in, in my tournament best and I went from two to to running it you know almost daily for a, for a for a portion of of those you know uh, those last five seasons. So don't make this so hard on yourself, like, like loosen those parameters, think about it logically. Um, and then again, clean up your earlier passes, and get them wider and faster than they need to be.
0: That's so nice, it's so nice. I mean, my, my last little comment, 28 to 32 off is very little difference required to, to run it. Gates, yeah. gates, gates, go back, yeah. listen to spray makers, and watch your own gates. You need to be higher up on the boat, just like you stated earlier. And then at 28 off, 32 off, the big big thing that you gotta learn there is it's not just it's not pull long to the to reach. You have to you have to add in that ride the handle, edge change behind the boat. And as you as you're going out to the buoy, you want to feel that energy in the handle and be holding on to it while you're arcing up. And at that, that's the difference between 28 and 32. Good gates, edge changing where you need to holding on to the energy that you created to swing you up. Weirdly, it's identical 35 to 38 off yeah. with one one exception and that being at 38 off it's going to be the first time that your eyeballs cannot look outside the buoy line. Mm-hmm. So that means that while you're coming into buoy one, you will never be looking from the perspective of being wider than the buoy and looking down the lake. And a lot of people get tripped up on that and want to try to do things in their, in their pole to try to get their eyeballs and their vision wide of, wide of the buoy. And it's an, it's an impossibility. So I see people get tripped on that. And so, but it really 35 to 38 is the same as what I, what I described 28 to 32, you don't have a good enough gate. You're not getting high enough up on the boat and you're not setting enough uh, speed and direction into center line. And then you are pulling too long and releasing that energy so that you are not swinging up on the boat, which all of what I'm talking about is saying exactly what Trent has done a beautifully beautiful job doing earlier in this conversation. And that's just, you need to learn to swing up on the boat higher and be able to ski at a faster speed coming into the, into the turn and then, you know, link it together. So you have your answers, slow the boat down, learn the pass, get those numbers up. Just like Trent said, I mean, we want to get those numbers up into the hundreds, not like, well, I've never even run it. You know, you've got to find a way. You know, if, if none of this is working, get yourself to ski school, you know, like start your next year, start your next season off at, at ski school and, and say, you know, state your goal and, and make a, make a plan. If you, if you can't make your own plan from, from, you know, the information that Trent and I are dropping here at Spraymakers, then, you know, get out there and, and, um, you know, go ski with some people and, and find those keys and then create your system and stick with it.
1: Perfect. I like that. Oh, um, fun. Yeah, let's do, uh, do let's do one more of these uh, one or more of these reader suggestions. What, what do you got? All
0: righty. How about we'll go to this one? MDB 1056. He says, would love to hear. <laughs> uh, sorry, would love to hear one another specifically on steps in the turn um, of when and how much to use knees and feet. How much should I push on the back foot versus front foot in the turn? When am I on the balls of my feet versus flat? Where in the turn am I shifting weight forward versus back? When to soften the knees versus standing tall? How to keep from releasing the handle this, early? You know, it's it's just kind of all those things. Yeah. And all of this is to tie into your term of dropping into the turn. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's when I read this one, I I immediately thought of you, especially when he's talking about knees and feet, because I know like you're, you're a real, um, take a real feel approach to, to, you know, all the facets or all the aspects of skiing. So, what, what, where do you go with this? I mean, for, for me, it's, it's
0: the bent knees thing is a reactionary way to ski, meaning your people, people that say, I gotta, I gotta have my knees bent in the turn you're reacting to coming in on a, on a, on a less than ideal line, then you're coming in. Yeah. So you're coming in at the wrong angle to the buoy and then you're having to make a really hard turn with the lack, without lack of, or with a lack of rope support. And so basically it's like, you're reacting to a bad situation with another bad move Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and, and it's so funny how how counterintuitive this sport really is. And so yeah, if you think you should bend your knees, you probably should straighten them. I mean, it is literally like that. So I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'll just paint a picture of like ideally, let's say I I start out wide on my gates, I drop into my gates, I generate great speed into the first wake. I you know, tighten up. I can feel, I can feel the power in my hands as I, in in the handle. I can feel my, uh, my core connected. My ski lands off the second wake on the turning edge and I'm just arcing up to the buoy. Well, I'm going to keep that handle close to my hip. I'm going to feel all that power. I'm not giving any of it back. I'm not just letting my arms away and give it away. I'm holding on to it. It's arcing me up towards my future apex of the turn coming in there. And then, you know, when I get to just about buoy width is where I'd like to kind of let go of that, that outside hand, let go of that handle, allow the ski to cast out or and the way I do that is to start to stand up, to extend, extend, extend. I mean, you and I have talked about this, like wanting to go to your tippy toes as you're approaching apex, right? Like I'm trying to get as tall as I can. I'm trying to ski as far away from that handle as I can. And I, I mean, you can hear that. You can hear that expression in my voice. Like I really am. I'm stretching it out. Like how far away from the handle can I, can I extend this ski? And the only way for me to extend the ski away from the handle is to stand up, get it away from me. Okay, and so as I'm coming into the apex of a turn, meaning the furthest I'm going to be traveling up and out, I'm going to be the tallest I can possibly be, which is six one and three quarters inches plus whatever I have for arm. You know, like I'm just extending tall, and that's where you know, and so right there I'm going to be on the balls of my feet, my weight's over over my feet. I'm not back. I'm just extending, extending, and. As you, as, as I'm extending, my ski has friction. My ski is slowing down at that point. My body is starting to, my body is just starting to go the same speed as the ski. I'm, you know, we're matched, I'm right over the top of it. And then right at apex, the move is to drop into it or to take a step forward. Or, you know, these are all the ways I think about it. And at that point, now my body is going faster than the ski. So my body is moving to forward and to the inside. The ski I'm leaving exactly where it is. I'm not touching that thing. I'm not manipulating it at all. I'm not even actually thinking about the ski. I'm thinking about falling in my direction of travel, stepping into it, dropping into it. It is literally a weightless, unpressured feeling that my body is moving and as my body moves in that direction i'm going to be feeling like i'm on the balls of my feet on my toes whatever that is and as i as my body falls that way my center of mass is moving forward into the inside meaning that's basically an easy way to say my weight my weight is moving forward into the inside so the water break on the ski is moving forward up towards the tip that is You know, adding pressure to the front of the ski, which if the more pressure you add from the center point of the ski forward, then the less pressure there is on the back of the ski. So the ski, you can imagine the front grabs, the tail starts to drift and it drifts through and you step into and it comes underneath you. That's how your ski is turning. So, wow. I don't even know. I don't even know where that came from, but that's kind of what I'm thinking about in that zone. Yeah. How about, how about, uh, how about you walk us through what, what you heard versus what you think? Well,
1: <clears throat> I think like, I, and, and it's another one too. I, I get, you know, uh, well, people, you know, people say like, well, you know, so much, so so I really need to bend my knees in the turn. and that's what I'm working on. And, and I think what they're trying to do is, you know, is they're trying to, they're trying to create tip pressure by driving their knees forward. But it, like, if you just think about what happens as your knees go forward, where, Center of mass means exactly that. It's it's just, I mean, it's a term that just, it's really self-explanatory. It's, I mean, it's the center of your body where, 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 where you are the heaviest, right? So we're going to say from thighs to chest. So at, when you're driving your knees forward, yeah, you're, you're going to be shifting a little bit of weight forward, but it's not very much. Like the easiest way to get your weight forward is exactly like you're, like you're saying, Rossi, but just by standing up. So as you're standing up, you know, your hips are coming, like, I don't want to say forward, but your hips are coming more underneath you. So now your weight is going to be directly over top of your feet. And then like, like you said, as you're approaching that apex, what's actually happening is your skis slowing down and it's starting to slightly fall behind you and, and, and terming it like that can sound scary, but that's what gets your weight moving forward. As your skis slowing down, it falls behind you. And this, that's why like, you know, a, a beautiful turn looks and feels rather organic, you know, because it's, it's kind of, you get your, you get your momentum going by, by, by again, by standing up, you're getting your mass moving in the direction you want it to go. It's coming up, skis falling behind you. So it's just, it's, it's like a controlled fall into the turn that's happening because of the friction on the bottom of your ski. And because hopefully, you know, your, your body's structural alignment, you're coming, you're standing up, your base is slowing down, everything's just sliding to the inside. Um, So again, I think you're, you're spot on by saying, you know, the, the, the need or feeling the need to, push your knees forward is is likely reactionary to something else that's missing, which is, you know, probably exactly that. You're probably not standing up true enough. You're probably not, your body isn't stacked or aligned good enough coming into the turn.
0: Oh, yep. And that, and that is, if, if you, the more that you lower yourself on your ski, the more that you bend your knees, the more your hips go back, the more your chest goes back. So bending your knees moves your center of mass back, mm-hmm. not forward. You know, yeah. I mean, I it's guess like you could try a, it's like
1: sitting into a yes, yeah, like sitting into a chair.
0: Right, you're moving right. back. You're not moving forward. So extending and being tall is really, really important. Now, Trent, uh, to to just finish off the the feet, as you yeah. let's say you're finishing the turn, and I, what are you feeling on your on your feet knees? from your connection from that moment right before you connect to the handle through to your, what is it? Max lean to center line. Let's say center
1: line. So ideally in both sides of the course, I mean, I want to feel, I want to feel my, my weight being distributed or, or, or I want to feel the balls of my feet through that entire phase. Like, um, Your onside turn, especially, it's really easy to, to, as that ski starts to pull through to, to then go heels and push. But that's, again, that's something that we just kind of get away with um, because that's our more balanced side. It's not ideal. My best onside turns are just like my offside turns in that, you know, as I stand up, my ski starts to, starts to, you know, fall behind me a little bit as it starts to pull around the corner, if you will, that's when I keep. I keep moving my, my weight just slightly ahead of my feet. So, so again, that, that pressure on the balls of my feet does not disappear um, until I'm getting into the bottom of the first wake and I start to rise up out of that, out of that forward push a little. Then as my, my ski accelerates underneath me to the edge change, I'm going to feel neutral on my feet for, for a moment you know I'm yep. going to feel neutral on my feet at my as it comes through and then again now I'm on my inside edge and at this point I'm already rising back up again finding the balls of my feet so um, ideally never heals, you know and it's just that moment of transition where I'm completely neutral um, mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm striving for and that's what I'm feeling when I'm skiing my very best
0: oh I like it I like it I think one of the things that I popped in my mind and I I, I alluded to it earlier uh, there is no manipulation of your ski just leave your ski stop trying to think that your ski is going to lead you through the course you're you're driving you're you're the intelligent one you're the one that has to do the you're the one that has to do the moves to make the ski have the pressure on the edges that it needs yes we design i design skis to to perform with these natural motions that, that we're striving for. When, when these two things, when you, when you're leading your ski and your ski has a good design, you're in unison and you can run these nice high lines that, that, that help you run more buoys and, and do it with a, a incredibly more fun feeling than just skiing buoy to buoy and, and, and slamming it out. So I think that's a really just important thing. Like that part is, is crucial. Now, the only other thing that I will say is there can be some rear heel pressure as in that last quarter, not leading up to apex. So as you're Mm -hmm. from, from buoy line to apex and your body is starting to come up and you're standing tall and you're over your front foot, your weight's over your front foot, right? Like as you're coming into that point, you're because the ski's starting to slow and your body's standing up and you're really tall. It's not heel pressure down through the bottom of your ski. I would say it's heel pressure slightly up and outward. So, yeah, like yeah. Yep. me being a right foot forward skier, as I'm coming into buoy one. And I'm, you know, I've, I'm letting go of the handle. I'm standing up as I'm standing up. My weight is, is, is right over my front foot or on the ball of my front foot. And it's going to have some ball of the rear foot, but my right side of my, the inside part of my left heel is pushing outward on my boot. It's pushing yeah, outward yeah, and and up, out and up. So essentially you can imagine I'm pushing down with my front foot or it's not, I'm not pushing down, I'm just standing up over it. I don't mm. ever push down. Pushing down isn't a thing. You need to stand up if you want to push down. Okay, so standing up. And as I'm doing that, I'm pressuring more of the front of the ski. And then by by allowing my rear heel to desire to push outward, I'm basically starting a slarve or you know a smear, you know, where a mm-hmm. smear is basically when the tail of the ski is being pushed outside of the arc, the front of the ski is is on. And slight smears are, are okay versus pushing not 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 standing over the front foot, rocking back and jamming that heel through. That's a totally different, that's a skid. And a skid comes at the, after the apex and anything after the apex that you're skidding, you're going to be losing a lot of speed and energy that you're going to then have to create again on your next pull. And that is, that's, that's inefficiency. So anyway, that was just a little bit of, there is, there are some intricacies that can be happening there. Um, that is a, that is a, I mean, that's a, that's a high level high level uh you know interpretation of what's going on i don't know that you'll be able to go out in the water and think about your outside of your rear heel you know having outward push but i think if you just break down what we talked about earlier standing tall as you come in you know lead with your body dropping in or falling or stepping into it forgetting about manipulating your ski your ski is not smart. It, it only reacts to what you do with your body. If you always are rotating back to the handle too quickly, ask yourself, why are you doing this? You know, like you can, you can take steps to fix this stuff. Try to evaluate where did, where did my line go wrong? And am I doing things, are, are things becoming staples in my skiing because they're, they're reactionary or are they proactively? what i want to be doing and and running the course
1: that way